What's up? This is Tony Brewer. You're listening to Cogitations. Cogitations is the podcast where we think about things, we contemplate them, we turn them over in our minds, and then we discuss them. Daniel chapter 7, verse 28, Daniel writes, Hitherto is the end of the matter. As for me, Daniel, my cogitations much troubled me. My countenance changed in me, but I kept the matter in my heart. Now, we're not going to keep the matter in our heart. We're going to talk about it. And today we're going to talk about this listener question, actually more than a listener's because a friend of mine, but he asked a question and said, Hey brother, do you have an exegesis for Luke eleven twenty one and its application for protecting your family and home? And I tend to talk a lot about the Christian and self-defense. Um, nobody in their right mind wants to mentally prepare themselves to do violence. Nobody in their right mind is looking forward to being in that kind of situation. If you know somebody that is, then be careful of them because you're dealing with somebody that's functioning from a mental deficit. I know that sounds bad for me to say. I'm fully convicted it's the truth. We don't glory in violence. We don't want to be violent. We certainly don't seek vengeance. But there is something to be said for in the moment, whenever someone comes and tries to harm us, or take away those things with which God has blessed us, that we are authorized to protect ourselves. And I've, like I said, I've covered this a lot in the past, but I don't think I've ever done a podcast specifically exegeting this passage of Scripture and talking about how it relates to the topic of the Christian and self-defense. If you go to the end of the book of Luke, you see where the disciples Jesus has this conversation with them. He says, hey, do you remember whenever I sent you out before, I told you don't take anything? And did you lack anything? And they said, no, we didn't lack anything. He said, well, now it's going to be different. Now I'm sending you out with no, with, with, uh, excuse me, now I'm sending you out and I want you to be sure and bring your purse. So bring your money, bring your possibles bag and get a sword. And so important is this sword that if you don't have a sword, sell your cloak or coat and buy one. You're going to be numbered with the transgressors. You have a job to do. In, in my conviction, that's what Jesus is telling them. You've got a job to do. You're going to have to be able to protect yourself while you do it. So you don't need to die if somebody comes at you and treats you as if you're a transgressor. You need to be able to defend yourself with this sword. Now, they said, here we have two. Now, at least one at least one of these. One of these would have been the sword with which Simon Peter uh, severed the ear of, uh, what's his name, Malchus? That don't sound right. Anyway, severed the ear of the uh, guard the night that Jesus was taken. I don't know who would have had the other, but out of 12, they had two. and. An interesting statement appears in the scripture where Jesus says, it is enough. That's what he says recorded in the King James. When you look at that phrase, it is enough, the word enough is, it translates a Greek word that's translated elsewhere, meet, M-E-E-T, which basically means this is adequate to the task. Jesus is not saying that two swords out of 12 people are enough He's saying those two swords, the type of swords that they are, are adequate to the task for which I have told you 
to buy your cloak and sell a sword and 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 sell a well come on Tony sell your cloak and buy a sword. So I wanted to lay that as the groundwork. I, I'm this podcast is going to be functioning from that understanding that God's people are authorized to carry deadly weapons. Okay, and I think they're authorized to carry military grade deadly weapons because the same word for sword that Jesus used at the end of Luke there. He uh, Paul uses in Romans chapter 13 when he talks about the government bears the sword of justice and, and, and is an avenger. It's That's the army. That's the police force. That's metaphorically, that's what that is. And so if the military has guns, then we can have guns. And I'm, I'm a big Second Amendment advocate the Second Amendment, although I don't think everybody ought to have nuclear weapons, the Second Amendment allows uh, an individual to possess nuclear weapons. Now, we might need to go to the Constitution in the United States and change that, but you know we have to interpret the Constitution of the United States the way uh, we would interpret any other document. And quite frankly, whatever the military has, you can have. I believe Luke, uh, Jesus, uh, when he when he's going through the Great Commission there at the end of the book of Luke, uh, he's he's authorizing us to be able to arm ourselves with whatever weaponry the military has. Now, let's get into Luke chapter 11. Before I get into the meat of the podcast, uh, consider supporting me as a podcaster. Um, this would be great. It would help me out greatly. Hello, Brandon Dressner. Good to see you, by the way. There's four or five of you watching here. Be sure and share this. Um, I, I know that I don't I don't get on at, at, a, at, a, at a consistent time or anything like that. I basically get on when I can, when I have a wild hair that takes me. Uh, when I get something like this, um, I, I'll get on. So anyway, that being said, follow the Facebook page, turn on the notifications, and share this, and that'll do two things. Number one, Facebook will put it in front of people who have similar interests as yourself, and two, Facebook will see that you're interactive with the content and you'll be more than likely, or more likely rather, to get a notification from Facebook. Facebook doesn't always play nice. Now, let's go to Luke chapter 11. Luke chapter 11, uh, starting in verse 14. Uh, now, verse 21 is our verse of interest, but we need to read the entire context and let's see if we we can put it in its context and see what Jesus is using this verse for, and then we need to put a bring it out and put a 21st century uh, application to it. And he was casting out a demon, and it was mute. So it was when the demon had gone out that the mute spoke, and the multitudes marveled. But some said, He cast out demons by Beelzebub, the ruler of the demons. Others tested him, sought from him a sign from heaven. But he, knowing their thoughts, said to them, Every kingdom divided against itself is brought to desolation, and a house divided against itself, and a house divided against a house falls. If Satan is divided against himself, how will his kingdom stand? 
because you say I cast out demons by Beelzebub. And if I cast out demons by Beelzebub, by whom do your sons cast them out? Therefore, they will be your judges. But if I cast out demons with the finger of God, surely the kingdom of God has come upon you. When a strong man, fully armed, guards his own palace, his goods are in peace. But when a stronger than he comes upon him and overcomes him, he takes from him all his armor in which he trusted and divides his spoils. He who is not with me is against me, and he who does not gather with me scatters. Now, well, I guess we could keep reading. When an unclean spirit goes out of a man, he goes through dry places seeking rest and finding none. He says, I will return to my house from which I came. And when he comes, he finds it swept and put in order. Then he goes and takes with him seven other spirits more wicked than himself, and they enter and dwell there, for the last state of that man is worse than the first. And it happened as he spoke about these things that a certain woman from the crowd raised her voice and said to him, Blessed is the womb that bore you and the breast which nursed you. And I'm going to stop there. I don't know how much of this stuff I really need to go over. Let's talk about what's happened here. Jesus has just cast out a demon, and the people thought that he was using the power of Satan to cast out the servants of Satan. And Jesus showed the frivolity of this. Like, look, you you know that's not true. A house divided against itself will not stand. A house has to be united. You, You can reason this. If Satan is divided against himself, how will his kingdom stand? It's not. He's not going to have any kingdom. Satan is king of the world. That's that's a in in a, in a in a in a way of speaking. So he he says, if I cast out demons by Beelzebub by Satan, by whom do your sons cast them out? Therefore, they will be your judge. In other words. You're thinking that I'm doing this by the power of Satan. Your own sons. Remember, by this time, the uh, the limited commission had happened, and the 70 had been sent out. They had the power to cast out demons, did they not? He's saying, well, who, who would, who, if I'm casting them out by Satan, then who are your sons casting them out by? You've got a problem. You have, a, you have an issue of dissonance you have a a, a dissonance of reasoning in your head. And then, verse 21, well, excuse me, verse 20, but if I cast out demons with the finger of God, surely the kingdom of God has come upon you. When a strong man fully armed guards his own palace, his goods are at peace. All right, so when a strong man, fully armed, guards his own palace, his goods are at peace. I don't get it. Why did Jesus say that? Because Satan is the strong man. Jesus, at this point, has come up into Satan's house. This is where Satan rules. And if if Jesus wants to spoil the house of Satan and take it over, 
then he's going to have to bind Satan. It is my conviction that Satan is bound at this point. That Satan is bound, and and yes, I know that he can still affect things. It's kind of like when you bind a bulldog. Think about a pit bulldog out on a chain in the backyard. If you get in his territory, you're a had lad. You're going to be bit. But if you stay out of his territory, he's bound and he cannot actively come to get you. I believe whenever Jesus came into the world that Satan was bound in a certain way. Now, talking about the mysteries of God, Deuteronomy chapter 29, verse 29, I don't think it's revealed as to how this is. But the implication here, Jesus is telling them, I have come and I am kicking out demons. The only way that I could come and I could spoil Satan's house, I've got to bind Satan, and I've got to take away the armor in which he trusted. Verse 22, But when a stronger than he comes upon him and overcomes him, he takes from him all his armor in which he trusted and divides his spoils. And then he says says the punch, He who is not with me is against me. I'm the stronger man than Satan, and I've come into Satan's house to bind him. But you better believe Satan is going to defend his territory. Why is that? Because it's a foregone conclusion that one of the ways the cosmos works is that when a strong man armed keepeth his palace, his goods are at peace. What Jesus did here is he he used to teach these people this truth an a priori proposition. Now, there are two different types of, of propositions in question, a priori and a posteriori, post and prior, okay? An a posteriori proposition is a proposition that is knowledge obtained through experience. So, for instance, there is a stove. Is that stove on? I cannot reason whether or not that stove is on. I can look at the switch, but then that's knowledge obtained through experience. I can touch it to see if it's hot. That's knowledge uh, gained through experience. So the proposition is the stove is on and the room is warm. That's a posteriori. I have experienced that. However, if I see a picture of a living room, And outside in the window in the yard, there's snow and stuff like that. But the people in the house, there's a man and a woman sitting on a couch, and they are not dressed very warmly, and there's a stove, and the people in the house are not dressed warm, they're just dressed comfortably. An a priori proposition is the stove is on and it's warm inside. Well, how did I know that? Well, that's knowledge that is is obtained by analyzing concepts independent of experience. So I can look at this picture and and I can make a proposition that the stove is on and heating the house. Why? Because I have enough information in the picture that I can ascertain this truth, okay? Um, A priori is something that can be known without experiences or sense data. If Socrates has more wine than Plato, and Plato has more wine than Aristotle, then Socrates has more wine than Aristotle. 
Like that's something you can, you know, so the proposition is Socrates has more wine than Aristotle. That's the a priori proposition. All right. So what does that have to do with when a strong man armed, fully armed, keeping his palace, his goods are at peace? Well, you can know that you can just like you can reason out that if a strong man is guarding the palace, the goods are at peace. They have, they have less of a chance of being stolen. You can suss out, you can, you can reasonably ascertain that Jesus is not casting out demons by the prince of demons because we know that the prince of devils, Satan, is going to protect his own because that's what people do. Now, how is it then that this applies? Well, actually, I didn't put this fully in its context. So if you understand that truth, that is an a priori proposition, a strong man armed keepeth his palace, his goods are at peace, then you know in order for his goods not to be at peace, it's going to take another who is stronger than he to bind him. Why? Well, that's the implication of another priori proposition. Because the strong man who is armed, it is a truthful and right thing that he uses those weapons, those arms, to defend with extreme prejudice, I might add, his property and his loved ones. Because that's what the understanding is. That's what Satan's going to do. Satan is going to, with extreme prejudice, depend, de- defend his position. You see, one doesn't work without the other. It has to be a universal truth that a strong man armed, when a strong man armed keeps his palace as good or at peace, and since we know this and we can understand all that implies, then we know that if in order for his goods to be spoiled, you're going to have to come in, you're going to have to be stronger than the strong man, and you're going to have to bind him and take away his armor in which he trusted. All right. So Jesus is using a universal truth, an understood truth, an a priori concept to teach these people. This would not make sense unless it was a universal truth. Unless this this is a proverb, by the way. When a strong man armed keepeth his palace as good or at peace. That's a proverb. And if that wasn't true, and if that wasn't right, Jesus wouldn't have been able to use it. Jesus wouldn't have used it because it wouldn't have made any sense. It wouldn't teach the right thing. Jesus would have been putting himself uh, putting himself in the position of, uh, or, or Jesus would have been using something that was wrong to uh, illustrate something that was right. And that's that's not how that's not how illustrations work. Anyway, so how does this how does this have to do? What's it read again? Um, yeah, and it's application for protecting your uh, family and home. So how does this apply to? Uh, the Christian in self-defense. Well, quite frankly, it doesn't. Um, and I use it a lot of times talking about the Christian in self-defense. I suppose if I were to say how it applies, the only way it applies is it shows 
the acceptance by Jesus of this truth. And since Jesus is God, it shows the acceptance of God or the the acceptance by God of this truth. God acknowledges that when a strong man armed keepeth his palace as good or at peace, that means the only thing that I can ascertain from that is that a strong man has a right to bear arms and to protect his goods because that was just something that was understood that's woven into the fabric of reality. And without this truth being understood and being woven into the fabric of reality, the overarching theme of what Jesus was trying to teach, I am not with Satan, would not make sense. There is an inherent adversarial relationship to a strong man and a man that comes in to uh, spoil the house. And it's an understood that the strong man is going to try to, with extreme prejudice, neutralize the man coming in to spoil the house. Jesus played on that truth. He built on that truth to show I'm the one stronger than the strong man. Satan is the strong man, and I have come to bind him. But even Jesus, or Jesus now acknowledged that even Satan has a right to defend what is his. You and I have a right to defend what is ours. God give it to us. It's ours. It's in our stewardship. And we have a right to defend it. Now, as I said in the beginning of the podcast, if you know somebody who is overeager to be put in a situation where with extreme prejudice they have to neutralize a threat in order to protect their home or their family or themselves, then you be careful of that person because you're dealing with an unstable individual, uh, a mentally unwell individual. So uh, that's all I've got. Um, I appreciate the comments. I appreciate all of you that tuned in. I was surprised at how many we got. Uh, This is great. We have above 2,000 followers on uh, uh, Greg James. That's a good point. Uh, You are not mistaken. Um, And I ought to know right where that is right off the bat. We just studied through the book of Nehemiah. Could be the end of Nehemiah chapter 4. Doesn't matter. Read the book of Nehemiah. Uh, Nehemiah had men armed on watch to protect the building of the wall of Jerusalem. And it's not and and thank you, Jonathan, Nehemiah 4.14. And Greg, it's not just that he had um it's not just that he had men armed on watch. Everybody carried a weapon because as you read in Nehemiah chapter four, uh, verse twenty, whenever the trumpets were going to blow, because the men along the wall were few, you blow the trumpet, and at the sounding of the trumpet, resort ye thither, and catch this: our God will fight for us. Well, wait a second. So you mean all these men with weapons are just supposed to come to the breach in the wall and stand around and look at the people coming through? No, you're supposed to take out your sword and hit them with the sword. You're supposed to pull out your spear and stick them with the spear. You're supposed to knock your bow and you're supposed to release that arrow and you're supposed to shoot them. 
It's, but it's God fighting for you. God is going to give you the strength. God is giving you the resolve. God, know, God, God is the one that makes you understand your cause is just and your fight is right. And that's, I think about that. I, I don't ever, ever, ever want to be in a position where I have to, with extreme prejudice, defend my family or myself. And I think in my old age, I would probably come near using deadly force to defend my family over defending myself. And I understand the irrationality of that because my family doesn't want to live on this earth without me, so therefore I should protect me with as much uh, tenacity and audacity as I should protect my family. But I will tell you that over the years, blood doesn't run nearly so hot. And I'm not nearly so hot-blooded in my 25th year as I am in my 45th year. That's it. We must be prepared to preach the gospel and protect ourselves. I think that's absolutely right. And good to see you, Solee. And uh, appreciate that scripture, Jonathan. Anyway, I hope that, that I've answered this question well. I hope I've put that passage of scripture in its context. Like I said, when you're talking about the Christian in self-defense, uh, Luke eleven twenty one is not the be all end all. It's not the one and done argument, but it does show that it's a foregone conclusion that a strong man has a right, that a man has a right to protect his home. And that's not something that God even taken, took away from Satan. It was a foregone conclusion that when you come up into Satan's house, even he has the right to protect what's his. So something to consider. And uh, thank you so much. Be sure and share this live stream. Be sure and go to Podbean, Apple Podcast, Spotify, TuneIn Radio, and subscribe there. Um, share the page with your friends. Uh, you, you know there's eight of you. If, if, if all of you would go to your friends list and just hit invite all, uh, and invite every one of your friends to the Cogitations Facebook page, um, that would really help us. And... Uh, you never know. I mean, some friends, some of your friends might be like, yeah, whatever, I'm not doing that. But you might get five or six on your friends list that be like, hey, I'm, this is great. This is a good podcast. And thank you for allowing it. And thank you for turning us on to it. Anyway, um, so to conclude, you're not, you're not ever supposed to say that, but I do. Anyway, to conclude, uh, an a priori uh, proposition is that a strong man armed keeping his palace is good or at peace, and therefore it's going to take one stronger than he to come in and spoil that palace. The implication there is that the strong man has a right to fight. Christian, don't let anybody come in and spoil your palace, whether literally or, or figuratively. Protect your palace. You may have to protect it figuratively. You may have uh, somebody coming in that's not a good influence. Well, guess what? Take care of that. Nip that in the bud. You may have somebody coming in intent on doing you harm to kill you or to rob you. If that happens, protect your home in whatever way you can. Now, I will say this. If you come back from town and you find all your stuff gone, Call the police. Vengeance is never good. 
But if you're asleep at night and you hear a bump, and that's somebody coming in to rob you, you, I would say that you have the responsibility to protect your palace because if they're coming in to rob you, you don't know what else they're planning on doing or what else they're capable of doing. And so you need to, you need to protect your family because that's what men do and that's what God calls men to do. All right, that's all I've got here, folks. I hope I've handled this question well. I hope I've put the passage in its context. This has been Tony Brewer with Cogitations. Consider supporting me. Those The ways to do that are in the show notes. Um, the easiest way is through Patreon, www.patreon.com forward slash near churches. And uh, we'll catch y'all on the flip side. <laughs>